is the University of Michigan. Touchdown, Michigan! All right, welcome back to Blue by 90. I am Justin, joined by Jack and Kaylin as always. And today we have another special guest on. We're excited to have him on. Um, I, I personally have been like watching and seeing your stuff for quite some time, even before we were doing this podcast. So it's fun to, to meet you and have you on here. We've got Chris Breiler, uh, creator of the Winged Helmet and uh, contributor to SI.com, Sports Illustrated. Chris, thanks for joining us. How you doing? Jealousy turning <laughs> into. No, I'm doing good. I appreciate you guys having me on. <laughs> there you go. It's good to Getting finally talk it. to you guys directly. Yeah, likewise. I've been watching you, uh, you know, for a little while, and it looks like you're growing and good things are happening. So it's it's good to be here. Yeah, and we've uh, you know we've done some stuff with Brandon in the past uh, and Spath in the past, and you know you're kind of part of that circle now. Um, I know Spath's out of it, but. Um, you know, it's is that cool a good that, thing that I'm part of that circle? I don't know. I'm, I'm, <laughs> some I'm, people would I'm, say like, Michigan Twitter, maybe not. I'm some wondering, people like, would say no. uh, like, do I have to go to the game like wearing those glasses and fake mustache? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, on Saturday, I don't know. It depends no, who you talk cool. to there. Yeah, <laughs> people people like to jump on Brandon. I I jump on Brandon on Twitter as myself as well, so yeah. I give him enough <laughs> shit. But um, we like Brandon as a person. He just stirs yeah. the pot, you know. He He's and he and so. Uh, so that's what he does. You know how yeah. I, you know how I think of Brandon, like there are like, you know how like there are certain instances where like a friend will ask another friend, do these jeans make me look fat? And the friend will be like, no, you look great. Brandon is the friend that will say, no, you look fucking fat. Or I, I say the F word. I, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. Maybe do whatever okay. you want. More than so Brandon's yeah. the kind of friend that will say, you look fat. You know, you got to change it. Your muffin top is spilling over. So not a lot of people are like wired to take that. But right. I think a lot of times what he says, there's a lot of, it's based in a lot of truth. It might be a little more hostile than people would prefer but you know so that's that's the difficult part of the job when you're a writer and you know if you feel something genuinely in your soul like you got to come at it from that standpoint otherwise it just doesn't work yeah well i mean let's talk about that so obviously we were just kind of joking that you're now an official journalist you know yeah. you've you've taken this on full time um this has been you know your first season uh being as a, as a, somebody with a press credential, you, you're around the team, you're at those interviews, you know, working on that type of stuff. Um, you know, what's that been like and how do you handle, you know, a team and a program here that let's be honest, they haven't had full success, right? There have been times where there have been ups, but it's mostly been down. And so on the journalist side, I think this is where, you know, especially Brandon, but a lot of people, you know, Sam Webb gets shit because all he does is talk good about a program that yeah. doesn't always have good things to talk about. And so, you know, how do you balance that? What's it been like uh, on the inside there? You know, we've talked about the new energy, all that stuff. What what have you seen from the inside here? Yeah, it it is really difficult to balance it. And especially for me, I mean, I've, I've been a Michigan football fan my entire life. So, so doing this for a job, it's kind of like a dream come true. Like I'll go to a side note, really quick story here before I get into the rest, but you know, Western Michigan, that was my first game ever in the press box. And there's, there's protocol and how you conduct yourself. Like you're not a fan in the press box. Like it's a working environment. It's very quiet. And, you know, I get in the press box and I'm looking around, it's a beautiful sight. And I, I can't believe I'm in there and I make it most of the game. Well, not most of the game. I made it most of the time before the game started without going crazy. But then Blake Corum comes in. Yep. It's that 18-yard carry on the first one, and I go, "Woo!" And I'm like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> so, so you know, that's like it's it's tough, right? Because you're a fan and you want the team to do well and you want to root for them and you want to say good things, but when you cover them, you kind of have to look at things differently, and you got to look at it in in you know through through the lens of reality. And if Michigan isn't doing what they're supposed to do, and if they're not living up to what I feel is the standard at the university of Michigan and everybody's a little bit different, but if they're not hitting that standard, then I feel it's my obligation as somebody who covers the team to talk about those things. And I think 
generally speaking, even if some people are more positive or more negative, I think at the end of the day, we all kind of feel the same way. We maybe just disagree a little bit on how to get from here to there. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I mean, I think it's, it's tough. We, we joked about it too. This fan base, they haven't felt that success. So there's just so much built up angst and it's like, we end up taking it out on each other when really we want to take it out on Ohio state, but we can't because there's nothing to say to them, you know? And so and even you want to say it, you want to take it out on your Michigan state friends too. You can't do that because they somehow, you know, beat us in, in yeah. you know, times that they shouldn't either. So it's just this weird thing in the Michigan fan base that we aren't able to, like, unite on one front because, uh, you know, we end up going at each other because of the, the, the lack of uh, full success there. Yeah. Yeah. Should um, Ronnie have been back there? Should he not have been back there? Is Mr. Yeah, right like, side right? Is it not right? Should all of a sudden stay? you start pointing go? fingers, yeah. you know, you, and, and it's easy to do that. So. Um, the other question I had is, is you guys have had a ton of, of athletes, student athletes and football players specifically on your podcast and on these, you know, Twitter, Facebook lives, Instagram lives that you're doing. Um, and so, you know, what have you heard from them? We we've asked this a million times with different guests that we've had on the different energy. What are they saying? You know, all that stuff, but you know, what are, what are the, the main takeaways that you've gotten from this team? in a time when you wonder, are they all behind Jim Harbaugh or are maybe some of them ready to move on? Are some of them, do they have one foot out the door in the transfer portal? You know, what's your, what's the vibe been with most of those guys that have come on with you? Well, what it's hard because you don't, I feel like every time you want to say this time feels different, you feel like you've said that a million times and it's like, here we go again. Like I'm buying in again, just to get snake bitten in the last week of November. But talking with these guys and listening, you know, Ronnie Bell at one of the, uh, the press availabilities said that he's never, you know, they've never experienced a brotherhood on this team like they have this offseason. Uh, Blake Corum, when we had him on, on Monday, had said something like, we don't have the, the energy vampires or the positivity vampires. You know, you, talk, you listen to the guys who are on the defensive side of the ball talk about, I feel like I'm free. I feel like I can do what I'm good at doing. And you, it really paints a picture. If you listen to all the sound bites from the off season, there was a culture issue. There was a, there was an issue at the university of Michigan, whether it be, you know, inside the locker room with guys that were just kind of, you know, working against the grain guys that were on the field that felt like they were being put in a position to fail on the defensive side of the ball in particular. Um, and so it really sounds like, the, the hires that Jim Harbaugh made this offseason have gone a hell of a long way into, you know, getting this program where it needs to be uh, in terms of like the camaraderie and the brotherhood. And I think anybody who's ever played sports understands how important that is. Like you can have all the talent in the world, but if you guys are going at each other, you don't have that tight knit feeling. Uh, sometimes things don't work out the way you hope. So I think, you know, if, if culture and energy and brotherhood is as important to, you know, winning games as we all think it is, they should have a pretty successful season. And I'm definitely buying into it. I mean, we've seen it with, with Michigan basketball too, like yeah. John Beeline, you know, you have great coaches. Well, they're the gold standard you, for it. Right. Exactly. So, I mean, you've, you've built this successful culture. You don't have the, the negative athletes that are around to, to bring it down. Or, or like you said, the uh, uh, negativity vampires or, or anything like that. And I mean, we always, we always kind of heard rumors about, you know, possibly Giles being that guy, somebody who Michigan's going to go up against this weekend uh, against Washington. You know, there were rumors that Joe Milton was saying something about dropping 50 on Michigan when he transfers, you know? Yeah. And, and I mean, we've, we've talked about previous players in the past couple of years that, you know, there's been rumors about that kind of uh, attitude. And, you know, if there is that positivity and we've seen it happen with basketball with the players saying that and being so vocal about it this year, I mean, I know it's got, me a hell of a lot more excited. I told yeah. myself, you know, the whole off season that I'm not going to get excited for Michigan football because I know what, you know, comes at the end of November. Right. Just like you were saying. And uh, it's, it's hard not to buy into what they're saying, especially when it's coming from the players mouths and you're kind of hearing everything that you, that you want to hear and what you think you need to hear for a change, a real change to be made. So yeah, I, uh, I, I can't remember. I mean, we, we were at big 10 media days and I think Aiden Hutchinson said it directly. Like there were some culture issues here in 2018 and 2019, like word for word. And I don't think we've ever heard that come out of 
Michigan players during the offseason. Like, usually you want to be positive, but it seems like these guys during the offseason did some serious self-reflection. And if you look at who the leaders are on this team uh, going into 2021, they're all just really good guys. Like Blake Corum, you talk to him, he's just a really good person. Nakai Hill Green, talk to him. He's just a solid dude. Like they've got a collection of guys that are leading this team that I think their mentality is going along. I, I think it's flooding the team with positivity. And I think it's creating this, this tremendous energy that we've heard about all offseason. And you can see it during week one. I mean, JJ McCarthy goes in the game and Kate McNamara goes over and embraces him, hugs him for like 10 seconds, says something in his ear. You could see when uh, Donovan Edwards was out there running hard, hard as hell he was running when he was getting the touches guys were going crazy on the sideline. I mean, these guys are getting up for each other. Um, and it's, it's really cool to see. Yeah. I mean, to bring up, I mean, those guys too, I mean, Ronnie Bell, clearly one of those guys, obviously he's hurt oh. now because, you know, like we brought up, you know, should he have been there back there returning that punt? I mean, Jim said it, right. You've got talented players. We've seen it in the past. You put your best players out there. So, I mean, that's, that can be an argument for a later time or a discussion for a later time, but, I mean, that could be a huge rallying point for this team. I mean, you see a guy yeah. like Ronnie, nobody works harder than him. And, you know, he goes down and, and the field, the players, I feel like, take a, uh, a sense of responsibility to kind of like move forward and, and bring the team up and really try to win for him because he's not able to go out there with them. So I'm, I'm curious to see how they play against Washington this weekend. Well, and when it comes to Ronnie Bell and, you know, obviously you don't want to see anybody get injured. You don't want to see anybody right. go out. And, and I put up a story about Ronnie Bell shortly before the season and just how improbable his pathway was to Michigan. Like I'm sure you guys are aware, you know, he was a basketball star. He was committed to, I think, Missouri state. And then long story short, he ends up at Michigan, his only offer to play college football. And then to see him selected as a captain. I mean, we were there when the players came out right after they found out and, you know, you could just tell it was an incredible moment for these guys. And man, it just like, the energy in the stadium, everything got sucked out. Like it was such a jovial, you know, everybody's back in the big house. Everybody's excited. And you can really tell how much people care about Ronnie Bell and how important he is to this team just by the reaction in the big house when he went down. If there is a silver lining, that position group is probably the deepest on the football team. They've got athletes that can step in and kind of soften the blow from, from the loss of bell. I think AJ Henning is that guy that probably fits that mold mm-hmm. uh, best, but they've got guys like Roman Wilson. They've got Cornelius Johnson. They've got Mike saying still, they've got a lot of weapons at the receiver position that kind of fit the same mold that Ronnie bell does. Um, so you're never going to replace him and especially his leadership and his influence on the team, but he will still be around the team. Um, but they've got guys that can step up. And I think, uh, I think you'll see that this weekend, especially in the punt return game. Yeah. And I mean, the, fu- the fun thing too, I don't know if you saw this one, Ju- obviously Ronnie on that touchdown went right into Juwan and the, uh, and the basketball team. And then Juwan, he said it, uh, before the game and then said it again after he was, uh, you know, obviously injured. He said, if you need anything, anything come to us. I mean, first of all, Juwan is, I mean, we're just like unbelievably blessed. It's it, every time Juwan speaks, it's like, I can't love this guy anymore. Um, and then, you know, but for that to be a cross sport, like love brotherhood for each other is kind of crazy. And I know that Ronnie, I'm pretty sure was really good friends with Isaiah and, and a lot of the, that squad. Um, so it made sense, but just like, I, I think that that's what Ronnie kind of, that, that was his vibe, right? He's just like that, that's, you know, solid brother. He probably would have fit in really well with that basketball program. And so yeah. if we can take a guy that, you know, from that basketball program and, and insert him into the football program, that's ideal. Right. And so, you know, I, I hope that Ronnie Bell, what he does is become, you know, a player coach type of guy, you know, sit on the sideline, be that cheerleader, be that leader still that he can, you know, God willing, he comes back next year. Selfishly. I don't want him to go to the NFL. I want him in Ann Arbor, but you know, I, I think to your point, you know, there's going to have to be some other guys that step up into that role. And I'm not sure, you know, you can replace a Ronnie Bell in that situation. And so that'll be interesting because there's going to be a point in this year where things go wrong. And the only guy that I saw last year during like the Michigan state game and a couple of of these other games that were going badly that stayed with it, stayed positive, was fighting like hell was Ronnie Bell. And so 
that is infectious, right? It's contagious. And so I, I hope that even from a sideline, he can still be that guy for, for Michigan moving forward. Yeah. And it, and it sounds like that's the challenge that Jim Harbaugh is giving him, right? Like, you know, saying that there's still ways that he can be a leader on this team and, and, and holding him accountable, saying that he expects him to be that leader that everybody expects him to be, you know, especially when you're voted a captain. So, you know, if any, if you know, Ronnie Bell, or you kind of know what his makeup is, uh, he's going to be around the team. He's going to be in the locker room. He's going to be on the sidelines. He's going to be getting the guys up. I think you're right. There's no way to replace him. But I think that there's a few guys on the roster collectively that can just help manage it in his absence. And I think that's what Jim said as well, was that, you know, it might be a more than one guy needed to replace Ronnie Bell. Um, So it might be a couple guys stepping in to fill that role. Yeah, 100%. For sure. For sure. Um, So let's talk about uh, the Western game here a little bit. You know, I thought we talked about it on Sunday as well. Um, You know, we talked about how we were all pretty dang impressed with uh, with this team all around. Um, You know, you didn't know what you were going to get after two and four after a weird offseason where you didn't know who your coach was um, for a while. There all the variables that came into going into the season, um, new quarterback, all that stuff. and, And they, you know, it was a slow start, but I thought after that slow start into the second quarter, it was, it was, you know, uh, like a train coming through. And so what was your thought from the press box? Um, what, what did you think of this team was, is this, you know, is it too early to tell if this team is legit or not, or, or can we take away some good things uh, going forward here? Well, I think both. I think it's too early to tell whether or not they're legit. But, you know, the big chunk plays really stuck with me. Like we've been waiting to see an, an, uh, an explosion, an explosive Michigan offense. You know, ever since Josh Gaddis arrived, we heard speed and space and we expected it to be something like Alabama. And, mm-hmm. and it hasn't looked anything like that. So it was nice on opening weekend to see, you know, you had A.J. Henning. I think he went for 76 yards. You had Blake Corm running all over the field. You had Roman Wilson go for like, a, I think it was a 48-yard end around. Uh, Ronnie Bell broke loose a couple times uh, on the punt return and the touchdown. So they were making big plays all afternoon. You're right. They got off to a slow start, but eventually they settled in. And overall, what I took away from it is, Michigan played like you would expect Michigan to play against a team like Western Michigan. And and that's really all we could hope for, for week one, what that means for week two, I'm not sure. And, and I, you know, Brandon and I talked a little bit about this, but I feel like I walked away from week one, not any more or less confident for week two, even with what happened over the weekend with Washington. I know they lost that game to Montana. That was a huge upset, but with what Michigan did over the weekend and with, with, Washington did over the weekend I still don't feel any more or less confident I think it's going to be a big game I think Washington's going to come in pissed off um but I don't know man if you watch that Washington game their offense was pretty damn bad pretty bad so it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out yeah I I didn't watch the Washington game I wish I did but I'll tell you what it did did make me feel more confident going going into this game that's for sure I saw the line was at five and a half and I took it I think right away um, but see, every time but, that happens, that's I when, know, that's when I know. it goes the other way. You know, I'm like, I yes, know. of course, this is a sure thing. And this yep. is the kind of game where it's like you go into it and afterwards you're like, Jesus Christ, how did that happen? You know, so <laughs> I'm, even, I'm reserving judgment here. Well, I was going to say, too, it was uh, um, I said on the last podcast and I, I remember now where I saw it at was uh, Scott Bell put on tweet and it was like, um going into the Saturday's game, Washington lost to Montana. Like there's, it's a lose, lose situation for Michigan because if you beat Washington on, on a primetime stage, like, okay, you beat a team that lost to, to Montana, who cares? Or if you lose, then it's like, Oh shit, you lost the game to the team that lost to Montana. Like you can't, right. you can't win unless it's like just a major blowout. So that's the thing that's kind of going to suck from this game. Um, it's just the news stories afterwards where regardless which way it goes. Um, but I'm still, I'm definitely more confident in Michigan winning the game yeah that makes, well it, yeah. it is it is a bit of a bummer though because that loss took some of the shine off the game like everybody had 100 percent yeah everybody had this one circled during the preseason especially when you knew it was going to be under the lights and everything we heard uh about washington during the preseason was this was like a sneaky team that could possibly capture the pac-12 championship uh they certainly didn't look like it week one um no. but 
it was such a bad loss. It was such an improbable loss. Keep in mind, they're also down. I think they're down their top four scholarship wide receivers. So that really oh, wow. hurt them in the passing yeah. game. They're also down their top defender. I think he's a linebacker. He's out for the season. I can't remember what the nature of his injury is. Um, but, you know, they're suffering some losses there. Um, but the overall, O-line, I, though, I, I, I watched some of it. The O-line was so bad. I had yeah. never seen an O-line get bodied like that by an FCS team. Like, it was it was really unreal. So, honestly, what I'm looking for, because what we didn't see, I mean, I thought the defense played really well. I thought our defense played really well on Saturday. They didn't make, you know, crazy plays. There wasn't, like, game-changing plays on the defensive side of the ball. They did their job, which is fantastic. But it wasn't, you know, turnovers outside of the Aiden ascent, you know, he about took that guy's head off along with the football. Man. I thought he was yeah. going to be running with his helmet sack in his fumble, in yeah. his hands. Yeah, yeah. the strip sack. But um, you know, I'm I'm hoping to see them get to that quarterback a little bit and really disrupt things. Um, and, and so, I guess m- one of my other questions too, and I don't know if you talked to some other people about this. Did you feel like they were they went vanilla with the with uh, on both sides of the ball? Did you feel like they left something to be desired? Would you, uh, which is, I, I think, a normal thing to do in week yeah. one when you're playing a MAC opponent. Um, you know, what what can we expect to see, do you think, uh, moving forward? Are they going to open it up a little bit more? Yeah, I mean, I think you'll see more come out of the playbook. I, I didn't walk away from it disappointed that we didn't get to see more. I mean, I think the biggest question mark was what was Mike or Mike McDonald's defense going to look like? And we got a pretty good look at that. Um And, you know, from an offensive standpoint, I think they've got a lot more in the tank, but I also don't want it to come off like, you know, they're reserving everything for Ohio state. Like there's a secret playbook out there. Like, I think they gave a little bit, I think they called plays that they knew their guys were going to be comfortable with week one. I think they're still working on some stuff and you're going to see it open up more and more as the season goes on. Um, But where I, where I walked away a little bit concerned from that Western game was number one in the secondary. I wasn't super impressed with how the corners played still, I'm worried that when they go up against the guys like Chris Olave and that elite wide receiver talent that we're, we're still going to have issues. And so I'd like to see the secondary perform well this weekend. And then Cade McNamara, I mean, he had a solid outing, but he was only nine for 11. He was never really put in a position where, you know, he had to sort of take the game on his shoulders and make some things happen. And until we see Cade McNamara in that position, I don't know that we'll ever fully know what we have of him at this point. Now, granted, some people want to go back to 2020 and say, well, we saw it against Rutgers on the road in Piscataway. I know it's Rutgers, but it's still a 17-point deficit. It's still on the road, and he still had to come in and put points on the board. So I give him credit for that. But 2020 was such a weird year that I don't know that you can count on anything that happened last year. So I still want to see him. um, You know, I don't want to see Michigan in a position where they're behind but I want to see how he handles the pressure when the game gets a little bit tight. I'm, I'm going to leave this off by saying, don't sleep on Rutgers. All right. I, I think the program is moving. Well, they're, sure. They're moving I mean, forward, they, man. they are moving forward, but you know, they might be going like next floor up other than like basement level big 10, <laughs> you know, but I, you know, they're not, they're not quite there yet. Um, they did. I think they put a hurting on uh, who the hell did they play? Temple. I think, Temple? Right? Yeah. Temple. Temple. Yeah. So they throttled them. But I mean, what, what I, what I love, what I love about what you said too, and it, what it, what it seemed like to be is the fact that we had to be a little bit nitpicky to yeah. pick on Cade that, I mean, yeah. that's great. That's great to me. I agree. Like, cool. Cool. There's no like glaring problems. And I know last week when we talked about it too, I mean, I feel like Cade is, is it's not even close. Like he's QB one. I don't think, I don't think JJ's going to be up on his tail at all this year, unless Cade just like massively fucks up. So um, I, I loved what I saw out of Cade. I mean, he threw beautiful deep balls to Ronnie a couple times. Um, I mean, like you said, he was nine for 11. We didn't, we didn't see a whole lot of pass attempts, but he was still nine for 11. I mean, that's do math on the top of my head. I mean, it's like 85% yeah. roughly again, it, against, it was against Western. It was I mean, a, you don't really know what you're going to see, but, but I, I'm, he, I'm looking forward to see what he does the rest of the year. Like you said, get him put in yeah. those positions where he needs to lead the team, bring him back, play a solid defense. Um, but I'm excited so far for him. That's, that's for sure. I don't, I'm, should, I'm getting too excited. Well, you should really be saying 10 for 12, right? Because that offensive, uh, pass right. through. Oh, sure. Sure. True. Yeah. Yeah. True. That's a no play. Unfortunately. I mean that, so, I mean, I, I tweeted it out, uh, him and JJ were the top two most efficient, uh, passing quarterbacks in the, uh, big 10 
uh, in, in week one. Do you think that's going to be, do you think that's a Jim Harbaugh MO going forward? It's, it's, that was 2015, 2016 type of thing, right? Where yeah. it was like, you know, keep them in. I think he tried to do that a little bit too much with Shea at times instead of letting him loose and letting him be an athlete. Um, do you think Jim is like, all right, fuck it. I'm not trying to do anything crazy. Let's go back to what worked at that time, you know, and be just efficient man game manager type of people. Well, it's weird because, um, you know, Jim Harbaugh said when it came like that crazy throw that JJ McCarthy made, like it was cool against Western. I wonder how successful it would be against like an Ohio state or somebody, you know, you could see Notre Dame secondary. Like I forget who the dude was, but he ran like 25 yards cross field to pick off the ball. Like you can see when you're against a good secondary that you can't do things like that. But at the same time, Jim doesn't want to coach that out of him. He said that's part of his DNA. That's part of his makeup. And that's what makes him JJ. So we don't, we don't want to take it out of him. I think, you know, when, when we talked to JJ um, over the off season, he said that Jim has been extremely involved in the quarterback room. And I was a little bit concerned about how that was going to work out because initially during the off season, I thought Jim Harbaugh was going to be the quarterback's coach. I thought that was going to be his group. He was going to be hands-on and then they go and hire Matt Weiss. And so I wondered, what does that mean for Jim Harbaugh's role with the quarterbacks? But according to JJ McCarthy, he's still very much involved in what's going on. And I do think there's an element where, yeah, he wants his guys to be loose. He wants them to play their game. And if Kate is more of like, I don't want to call him a game manager, but if he's just that guy that can, you know, sit back, make the right reads and move the ball down the field, that's great because you've got enough athletes on the offensive roster where they can make plays for you. You don't need Kate McNamara to be Denard Robinson. Um, but I will say that I was extremely impressed with JJ. He's got like some sort of X factor that just, it is in your DNA. You can't really coach it. Um, I disagree a little bit with Jack. I do think that there is a healthy appetite for JJ there. And we'll see what happens once they get into the meat of their schedule. You know, once they get to Wisconsin, even on the road at Nebraska, I know Nebraska's trash, but they're going to have fans back in the stadium and Lincoln afternoon, sleepy game. Uh, I, you know, that one can be a little bit tough, especially heading into the bye week. So I like both quarterbacks. I think he's letting them loose and letting them kind of play their game, but I do think it's, it's closer than some people think. Well, I mean, to that too, I mean, we've seen, we've seen Jim hold on to, whoever the starter was at the beginning of the season for a little bit too long, a couple times. Right. I mean, yeah. we saw it with Joe last year, whether he was hurt or just not as great as everybody thought he was going to be. And then you saw Cade step in and seemingly do very well from what I remember. Yeah. Um, I remember when uh, John O'Corn was still a starter in, I believe 2017 or 2018. And then, you know, it took about three or four games to pull him and bring in Brandon Peters. So, I mean, and, and those guys had to really struggle for him to for him to put the backup in. So, I mean, do you think it, it's a situation where Cade really like like what I said? He really has to fuck up for JJ to go in because that's what it feels like for me. I don't think it's going to be like, you know, a Drew Henson Tom Brady type thing. Like you know, where it's kind of like one A one B. It feels like you've got Cade is like the bona fide guy, and JJ's like you know, I mean, he's he's there. Not to say that he's just there. Obviously, he's a, he's an amazing talent, but I, I see it. From from what I've seen so far, I mean, obviously I'm not I'm not in there like you are, but it just seems like that would be that would be insane to me at this point. Yeah, I don't know if it's a huge fuck up. I think I I envision it being more something where the offense is just kind of dead in the water. They're not moving the ball. They need they need some life. You know, it's it's it might be an afternoon game. Things are going slow. They're not putting points on the board. You could see the way the energy changed when JJ came in the game. I mean, the, the fans want to see it. There's excitement. Standing ovation. Right. So so yeah. it, it changed the environment in the stadium. And I do think if Michigan gets into a game where, you know, they're struggling offensively and they're not moving the ball, I wouldn't be surprised one bit to see Harbaugh throw McCarthy out there just to kind of get the juices flowing. And if he takes over, we've seen this. Yeah, before. I see that. I mean, you saw with Jalen Hurts and Tua. Right. Somebody comes in, that, they yeah. start moving the ball, the crowd gets excited, there's energy, there's, there's, there's something there. You kind of got to ride with it. And I think probably yeah. more so than any other year, I think this coaching staff is willing to ride the hot hand, whether it's at the quarterback position, whether it's at the running back position. We saw it with Blake Corum. Like, Hassan Haskins got the start. But even Blake said that that Mike Hart was riding the hot hand. And once Blake kind of broke off a couple of those runs, it was like, all right, get him out there. Let's let's keep him going until he needs a breather. And so I do think that's a positive change with this coaching staff. I think they're far more willing to just kind of ride the hot hand. And I think the biggest change with the roster is, don't get me wrong, Cade wants to be out there. 
But if there's a switch that's made, it's not going to be catastrophic to the environment. And I think that that's, that's crucial. Yeah. I mean, the thing that I, I, I agree with you in that this coaching staff, they're, they have nothing to lose. It's, I mean, they have ev- everything to lose, but nothing to lose if they if they try out JJ, right? Hey, you can go back to Cade if you need to. I don't think Cade's confidence is going to be destroyed. You know, I don't think this, like, offense is going to stall, whatever. Um, and I think they can't leave any, you know, they can't, they, they got to play all their cards for sure. Um, otherwise, you know, at seven and five, it's over, right? For, for Jim, probably. Um, but I still think that, with Cade, you know, we we kind of mentioned the game manager thing. I think that's a little bit of his MO, but we also saw that he made every throw he needed to. He yeah. dropped that dime to Ronnie for 74 yards. He dropped the dime to Ronnie on the right side as well on the one-handed catch. So, you know, he's it's not that he's like just making, you know, okay throws. He made right. great throws and that that was where I thought he separated himself. If we if we saw Cade come in here, miss those big throws, but then make the, you know, dink and dunk ones, and then JJ comes in and launches a bomb and hits him in stride, then we'd say, okay, hold on. I think we need to test out JJ. But yeah. with, with Cade making those throws, I thought that was where he said, okay, all right, I can do it all. I, I can do anything you need me to. Yeah. For... Oh, go ahead. No, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Um, well, I was going to say, Cade, you know, I call him, you know, Jake Rudock 2.0 because that's really what we need. <laughs> but I mean, also, I think we can sleep on Cade a little bit, right? Because don't forget, he has like the most passing yards in Nevada high school history. Well, that's that's a great point. And that's what I was going to say. You know, he gets that game manager sort of moniker. But look at what he did out in Nevada. I think he had over 12,000 career passing yards. Like he was not a game manager. He was moving the ball down the field. He was putting up points. He was putting, it was high powered offense. So he's clearly got that in him. Um, The big question is during the game, when he's put in a position where it's on his shoulders and he's got to make a play, can he get to that next level? And I think that that's, it's crazy. If you, you know, you guys think about it, how long Michigan has gone without that guy. Like they had Denard Robinson who was electric. He was a playmaker, but outside of that, we haven't really had a quarterback who was like, you know what? That's the guy. That's the unquestioned QB one. We're going into the season. We know, we know we've got our guy. And I don't know how that happens at the University of Michigan. Like I did an article months ago where I went over like since 2000, I did a side-by-side list of the quarterbacks at Ohio State and the quarterbacks at the University of Michigan. And when you look at those two rosters, it's just insane. Like we're, you know, we're O'Korn, Rudock, um, you know, three, like all of these guys. And then they're Haskins. Three. You know, it's, it's, it's just, they have had athletes at that position that can, that are game changers. And we haven't quite had that yet. The one guy we did have Denard Robinson was able to get the W against Ohio state. I know it was in an off year, but that's still Ohio state. And I'll, I don't care if it's an off year or not at this point, I'll take a win against Ohio. However, the hell it comes. Uh, we'll sleep on Tyler Gardner though. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> Don't sleep on Devin Gardner. He came Devin very, Gardner, very sure, close. Sure. Dead, but yeah. you know what? But that's a case of, I mean, imagine being Devin Gardner in your career. You go in as a quarterback, they switch you to ride wide receiver, you compete with Denard, they put you back at quarterback. Like, I feel like De- or, um, Devin is one of those guys that I feel like if he had been managed properly, his Michigan career probably turns out quite a bit different. I mean, he was a tremendous athlete. I think a oh, lot yeah. of people forget how good of a quarterback he was. Um and he, he certainly didn't live up to the hype at Michigan, and I don't think that's entirely on him. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this out there. I think this is I think I've come up with the best case scenario for Michigan football in terms of coaching staffs. Okay, all right. So you got Jim Harbaugh, who is the head coach. He's he's the CEO guy, but you got Rich Rod coming in as the O coordinator. We're okay. running this what running the spread offense. I mean, that was when Michigan's offense was putting up sixty. But the problem was that he, he ran a shit defense, right? So you bring in Brady Hoke as the D, D coordinator because he's the D, you know, D line coach. He's the recruiter as well. So I, I think, you know, that fixes everything that, that solves all our issues, right? Can we dig up Fritz Chrysler and get him on the sideline yeah, too? Yeah, let's just exactly. bring them up. Let's bring them all back. Let's bring them go. all out. There I talked go. to Brandon about that. Like, I wish there was a way we could clone some of these old coaches and bring them back so that people would be happy. This is like the uh, Avengers of Michigan football. Right. <laughs> right. Oh, my God. But, yeah, I, you know, 
uh, do you guys do you guys think um, Rich Rodriguez got a fair shake? I mean, do you think that perception from the fan base when it comes to Rich Rod is fair? I, I don't think he was accepted like yeah. right away. People were just like, "What the fuck is this?" But you remember, I mean, what was it, Pat White at West Virginia with him? I mean, their yeah. offense was electric. I yeah. mean. And we don't get Denard, Denard without like Rich Rod. Yeah. Exactly. You don't get Denard. You don't get the, the, the September GOAT, Tate Forcier. I mean, there you go. You got yeah. some quarterbacks right there, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think it was even Devin Gardner who said that, um, and I put up an article about this a while ago. I, I don't remember what the interview was, but he had said something to the effect of he thought it was a mistake to fire Rich Rod because yeah. the offense was headed in the right direction. Obviously, the defense was terrible, but he he could have restructured on the defensive side. Offensively, they had it going. And you can see that that's where college football offenses went to, that spread offense, yeah, that dynamic playmaker. Right, the dynamic playmaker at the quarterback position. He ushered that into the Big Ten, and that's a primary reason why Ohio State is as successful as they are now because they started recruiting towards that type of offense. So, uh, yeah, I don't think he got a fair shake with Michigan. Um, I know he was kind of like so-so as a person, and I think there were some off-the-field things um, that, that were – there were some issues there with Rich Rod. But overall, you know, from a coaching standpoint, the defense was – you know, I think it was Greg Robinson who was a defensive coordinator. It was so painful to watch, um, but well, offensively so it was a pleasure. That was that was his big issue. So there were times when Greg Robinson was running a defense that he had no idea how to run. Rich Rod was saying, we need to run the 3-3-5 or whatever that bullshit uh, defense was, and, and and those players would go to Greg Robinson and say, Coach, what are we doing? And he'd say, I don't know. Coach made me do it. <laughs> Seriously. Like it, he was yeah. Rich Rod was that stubborn. And so I, I, I think that, I mean, Rich Rod has said it from the moment he got fired till the day he's going to die is he'll say, if I had one more year, we would have went 10 and two or something like that. Well, look and, at what Hope did in that. And, I mean, yeah. so, and they did. Yeah. And so I, I don't, I don't totally not believe him. I, I believe him to an extent, but if you, it, you can't be that stubborn and, and come in and like, obviously things weren't working on the defensive side of the ball, dude. Like, I don't know, figure something out, you know, make yeah. a couple adjustments. So, um, yeah, well, I, and it's, you know, it sucks because for guys like Rich Rod and Brady Hoke, because they, they get, you know, the brunt of the anger for why Michigan football has been down for so long. But I would argue that it didn't start with the hiring of Rich Rod. It started with the firing of Rich Rod because you made such a significant swing to go to one type of offense that right. that Rich Rod was like specific. That was his baby, you know, and, mm -hmm. and you abandon that three years in and you go back to sort of more traditional. And so I think that was the move that really set this program back. Um, but you know, hindsight is 2020 and we're, we're far removed from that. And all I would say to people who, you know, continue to say that, you know, a rebuild takes 10 years, it doesn't take 10 years. Like, like this program should be up and humming along more so than it's been. I think everybody would agree on that, but you know, it seems like at least early here in this year that things are headed in the right direction finally, but we'll see. You know, it's funny too, because I think hindsight has become more 2020 the more people that i talk to who are a little bit more aware about michigan football they have that same kind of idea where they're like i think we got rid of rich rod a little bit too early i there's not been that many people that i've encountered that are like yeah rich rod sucks we did a great job you know like i don't know do you guys think that that perception has changed as time has gone on just amongst a lot of Michigan fans, or is that kind of just us saying this? No, I, I think I agree. Pete, uh, there's been, I think there are a few more people that say that every year. Um, I think also there's something to that. People are just grasping for anything. They're looking <laughs> yeah. for any answer. Cause we, you know, you, you, you thought it was rich rod. Then you thought it was Brady Hope, the Michigan man. Then Jim Harbaugh is the obvious savior, right? Like How could that a, not work? It's a no doubter, right? There's <laughs> right. no way he's in a Super Bowl the year before, you know, like, so, yeah. so what, what, you know, how could that not work? And so I think people are just like trying to, you know, they'll, they'll cling to anything at this point. I, I, I think that people also look at it a little bit with, uh, without the, the, you know, maize and blue goggles. And so they step away and say, Oh, maybe he didn't get a fair shake too. Yeah. I think, I think not enough people are talking about the switch to Adidas. 
I, I put full blame on that. I put full blame on that. How many how many good football schools do you see wearing Adidas? Yeah. I mean, obviously, we, has there ever been an Adidas school in the college football playoff? I don't think. Nope. So. I don't think so. Yeah. Nope. Well, that's all. all you need Boom. to know right there. Solved as soon it. as I'm pretty sure, as soon as Notre Dame switched from Adidas to Under Armour, they went to the college football yeah, playoff. Yeah, they, they, did improve. they did improve. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy how bad they are at college football uniforms. Like I, I don't, Awful. I don't know. I don't necessarily hate Adidas, but man, the, they just cannot figure out the college football uniform thing. Even when they try to come out with cool alternates, they just they're, they're they miss. brutal. It's, they miss. I mean, you look, you look at Louisville versus Ole Miss. That was on yeah. on Monday. I mean, Ole Miss with the baby blue. Oh man, I yeah. love those yeah. baby blues. <laughs> but then you see Louisville and these all red, weird, textured, like super yep. tight. It just it's a bad look. Adidas the wrong, is just a bad look. The wrong football. football. The wrong football. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Football. Football. Yeah. Yes. All right. So um, the last thing we need to talk about here is oh, here we go. is uh, the the social media uh, war that's going on on Twitter and Instagram. All right, guys. I'll see Facebook. you later. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you know it's it's become a tradition at the uh, at the big house um it actually wasn't uh at the end of the third quarter this week it was a, it was a little bit earlier but um it's oh. normally at the end of the third quarter in the third though right still earlier yeah it was in the third, in the third. they had a, yeah. they had to do a recognition at the end of the third quarter so they needed that longer time out there to do that but anyway so mr brightside um, that has taken, you know, I thought taken Michigan Stadium by storm. Uh, the I thought, honest, I'll be honest, going into it, I didn't think there were many, if any, people that really opposed Mr. Brightside in the big house because I saw what, you know, obviously you have 110,000 that seemingly sing it. Um, it's loud. It's made its round on social media, Barstool, you know, ESPN, Unnecessary Roughness, blah, blah, blah. Um, but there have been a couple people out there on social media. One of them might be on the podcast right now uh, that have been a little bit of a, against it. So with that, Chris, I'll give you the floor to, to say your piece here. Well, let me start off by saying I got I feel like I got to get this out of the way right away. I do not hate <laughs> the song, Mr. Brightside. I, I, I like the song. I like the killers. I don't I don't mind any of it. But for me, the issue that and this started, I don't know, months ago when, um, you know, I was talking to Brandon, obviously, we're, we're partners with the SI stuff. And we were traveling up to Ferris State for one of the uh, for one of the football camps. And we were just kind of talking about football and talking about being back in Michigan stadium. And I brought it up. I was like, yeah, that's the one thing that I just wish they would change. And for me, it's always been not because I don't like the killers or not because I don't like Mr. Brightside, but because I look at environments across the country, like death Valley or what they're doing at, you know, in Madison with jump around or enter Sandman with Virginia tech. And to me, those are like more like sinister type. Like when you're the opposing team and you're in that environment, like, it's intimidating. Like you can tell that that house is rocking and it's going to be a long night. Um, I don't mind that they do Mr. Brightside. I just didn't want that to be Michigan's answer to jump around or something else. So if they continue that tradition, that's great. But I would like to see the big house kind of rally and do something at the end of the third, you know, wherever it's going to happen to, specifically for the football players where the whole stadium gets hype and everybody's just kind of going crazy. And it's more of like, a, I don't know, you know what it is. Like you, you're at the gym or you're working out or you're playing, you hear a song that makes you want to just take somebody's fucking head off. Like that's what I want the players to feel. I want them to feel that energy. And when you watch what happens in Madison, you know, the players were down there jumping around too, looking at the crowds. Like it was, it was like a stadium wide party. Um, and I would love for something like that to come to the big house because it's the biggest stadium. And I would love for the fan base to, you know, do right by the big house. It's a phenomenal venue. It's, it's arguably the best venue in the world. Fans could get up a little bit more. That's my opinion. Was that a long winded excuse? I loved it. I thought it was perfect. <laughs> I'm excited to see what Justin has to say about this. Well, I mean, you, you walked back a lot from, from no, what it was no, no. originally. Oh well, yeah. Well, let's oh, no, yeah. Hold on. So I listened to your podcast and I actually, whoever it was that suggested play it at halftime, I was, I would see Jack. That was to me, that was a great suggestion because then the fans, they still get to keep their tradition that they absolutely love. The players are in the locker room. And then when the players come back out again, it's all about the players where I did walk back a little bit is I didn't understand how much that song meant to the Michigan student body. 
you know, and, and I get it if it's more for them than it is for the players. Like I've always been looking at it as it's something for the players, not for the fans. But if that's the mindset for it, like, I guess it is what it is. I would just like, I don't want that to be our answer to jump around. I want our answer to jump around to be like, my wife came up with DMX, my wife. She was like, why don't you play DMX? I'm like, yes, that's why I married you. Okay, yeah. Well, <laughs> I love a little swag surfing, man. I mean, well, yeah. I heard, I heard we might get some of that. Right. Maybe that's we, like, we I mean, did it. I guess what I imagine, what I imagine is the But see, that's, that's, crowd, right? Justin, that's where right you there. Can't get everybody you did in it, there. and I don't even know about it. It wasn't on social media. Nobody was going crazy about it. Like, we got to get <laughs> well, the whole state. They, play, they played Swag Surfing, and they – all right, so here's what happened. on the student At the student pep rally, they showed them, hey, here's Swag Surfing. Everybody was doing it. They showed them how to do it, and then they played in the game, and nothing. Nobody did anything. So well, see – yeah, so there you go. The, the student body's got to take a little bit of ownership here. Like, All if you right, want to get you if you want to get amped up about Mr. Brightside, cool, because that's for you guys. But keep that same energy when it's for something for the players, because right. I guarantee if the big house got lit with Oof. swag surfing, and, and it wasn't just the student section, but it was the blue hairs and everybody in between. Oh, the blue hairs, going get me si- going. It, it, that would be <laughs> that would be probably the most electric, you know, the well, electric the, celebration. What are the blue seen. hairs? What are the blue hairs going to say when DMX says "suck my cock"? At that? Well, that's well, you're going to get the edited version. You know, you're going to get the edit. Somebody asked me about that. I like, I dubbed oh, over man. like a DMX song with the crowd going crazy, and they were like, "I'm all for it." I just don't know about the repetitive N word and the killing or whatever. And I'm like, "Well, there's I'll, there's an edited version." There, there was there was a lot of pushback. I'll tell you this on Mr. Brightside because of she takes off her dress now. So okay, I can oh, see that. God. So so. That's what we're working with, people. That's all I have <laughs> yeah. to say is you, you yeah. want to try all these new things, but that's what we're well, working with. And you know what so. part of it might be is, uh, you know, there's always this like I, I, I'm more of like a creative guy. Like I'm always thinking about how I can, you know, do something more creatively or what Michigan could do to sort of amp up the atmosphere or whatever. And maybe it's more so like, I just got to accept the fact that Michigan is never going to be like a death Valley. It's never, you know, it's going to be its own thing. I see these other environments that appeal to me more. And obviously that's something that I want to see in the big house, but I also don't want to take away a tradition that the, the students love because I think that's cool too. So it's just, I wish we could find like a, a nice balance of, the all Mr. Right. Brightside stuff with like the hardcore. All right, let's get our guys up. Well, first of all, so they do. I will say, you know, you mentioned like Enter Sandman for Virginia Tech. I mean, they do do, uh, you know, Thunderstruck or Power by Kanye at the beginning during the, the entrance, they, and then they do, you know, Seven Nation Army classic. Yeah. So they'll that's a little bit of a balance, and they do that throughout the rest of the game. This is like the one part, but yeah. I here's my compromise, I guess. What if you do Mr. Brightside during that break, but then when you're bringing it back and the team's taking the field, you go back to like a Seven Nation Army or something? I love it. I absolutely love it. Is that that the perfect compromise? I think I love it. I love it. Go ahead. I'm looking to like modernize though. Like you remember Penn State Whiteout 2019, and they're playing Mo Bamba. That's the way Mo Bamba. We That's play a, but that, we don't, once, right? But they like don't maybe. get so loud that I can't hear the commentators on TV, you know? Well, it's a different stadium. I think yeah. to Chris's point, like, you just have to, like, Michigan Stadium is – it goes like this. It's a bowl that goes out. The sound goes out. I've there's been to no Penn State. excuse, though. There's 100,000 people there. Like, I mean, that, but that's a good point, though. You talked to – I heard Braylon on Woodward Sports or, or uh, whatever show he's on with another guy, yeah. and he was talking about the same thing. It's a bowl, the – the sound goes up, but he said there's certain times where it was like uh, it was against Ohio State. I believe it was 04. Could be wrong with that. It was the 100th meeting. Um, and there's times where the stadium got really, really loud. It's just kind of got to be a perfect storm from well, everybody I'll, being up and amps about it. I'll just say this from somebody who was in the press box. Um, uh, how do I want to put this? Humble there's, brag. There, there, well, no, there's there's a secret <laughs> floor. I'll just say that. There's, there's a secret floor in the press box. And I was there listening where it's open air. So you're not behind the glass. You're actually, you're above the, the bowl and you're looking down on everybody. And I'll tell you what, man, it was loud as fuck up there. So I do subscribe. I was questionable initially, like, okay, how much sound is really going out? But when you're above it all and the sound is coming up at you, it's absolutely incredible. So I do think there's a lot to that, but just like Justin was saying, like I mentioned before, I do think that there's, you know, 
you just got to accept that, you know, the Michigan, Michigan stadium is always going to be its own thing. It's never going to be like some of these other stadiums that you see. And, you know, but, but these, here's where the issue I have is that this conversation became so personal and so like, (laughs) like, like the vitriol, like over the last few days, like personal attacks, like I get it. I get that the fans love it. And if they love it, cool. I'm all for it. But like I said before, I want what the players want. And if the players want it, I want it. If they don't want it, I don't want it. And I don't know how the players feel about it. I only know how Jalen Mayfield feels about it. And, and that's mm-hmm. kind of where, what I'm basing my thinking off of. So Here, Here's the other thing with that, that it's kind of like, I mean, nobody would know this, right, uh, unless you got this. But they've asked the players. Uh, the players will give, like, their suggestions. Hey, play this. Hey, play this. Hey, play this. And then – Here's what happens when they play it. They're all in their timeouts or they're doing whatever and they don't respond. And so yeah. then when they don't respond, then it's like, all right, what the fuck did we play that for? Cause the team didn't respond. Then the, this crowd didn't respond. So yeah. like there's a, there's that ownership that you're talking about. I think that the players probably don't know a, what goes into the production of a game day, you know, and B for me, it's like, Hey, guess what? I don't care what they're playing. If you can't get jacked up to 110,000 people screaming for you, then you got a problem, right? Yeah. Like, I, I, that's where I come from. Like, I played at fucking Concordia, and we had 500 people. And, yeah. <laughs> and, 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 like, when we scored a touchdown, I'd get jacked up because the crowd was all yeah. standing up, you know? So, like, I, I think that you're getting a little greedy if you're a player and you're like, Oh, we didn't play, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm sorry, but like, well, fuck, man. Really, you sound want, like I, an old man when you're, <laughs> when you're like, I had a guy on a tractor. Swinging I, I walked uphill both ways to school, too. Oh, I, uh, I, I just, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. Like I said, I don't know if the players hate it. I don't know. Like, I don't know what the, what the situation is with the players. I just think, uh, Man, it was really interesting to see that conversation take <laughs> off, and right. uh, it, it became a really hot debate. And we said this before, you know, before we went, you know, sort of live here on the podcast that, you know, the Michigan fan base has been on trial for the last three days. And if you look on social media, there's people talking up Mr. Brightside, and there's just as many people saying, "Look at that! Like they're soft; they can't get up for a game." And I said this to you guys before we went on that it's, you know, it's prime time television under the lights, you know, in front of the entire country the Michigan crowd is going to have the chance to like put it all on display and see how lit they can get. And so I think that the conversation that's taken place over the last three or four days is going to contribute a whole hell of a lot to the environment being louder. I know we're going to hear Mr. Brightside, like at a, at a level we probably haven't heard out of spite, probably more than anything else. Um, but I do think the crowd's going to be up for it. And, and I, I hope they are because man, Michigan under the lights, the big house, it's just, it's, it's borderline magical when it happens it is it is you know what i almost want to hear too is like the um i don't know what do you what do you call it now uh not dubstep or trap but like a, a remix version of mr bryce i like the like on the big booty mix where it's like kind sure. of like, a little bit like whatever more, you know, it, it, there bit. you go if there's That'd something kinda... like that they already know the lyrics to it so you're not really changing yeah. something. i mean yeah. shit yeah. put it over put it over some uh little baby track you know and just rework the you know i'm I'm all that 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 might solve the problem right there There that's the other thing like i saw on social media they were like these old heads like you know they just don't (laughs) like it and it's it's like i'm pushing for money bag yo this ain't no like old head sort of thing you know like come on i'm pushing for the hard stuff so well you want to know the best part of this too and this is a little inside scoop for saturday that but we're we're gonna get a possible message from from somebody that's gonna <laughs> add to this all. That's gonna. I mean, it's just adding to everything that's you know like leading up to it. I'm so. actually surprised there's not gonna be a halftime performance. To be quite honest, <laughs> right? with you. I, I figured that's where this was headed. Like, you know what? Fuck it, we're breaking up. I'm, I, I personally am paying $100,000 to have the killers come play just to prove my point. That's, I took out a, a, a loan just to, to, you know, just to prove you well, guys Well, you know, I, I'm only going to speak for myself. I, you know, I, I don't necessarily mind the tradition if there's something else that, that kind of just gets the crowd hype. And I think when you sit back and you watch some of these other tremendous atmospheres, you look at the big house and you're like 110,000, 115,000, we could do something spectacular. And so you're always kind of wanting to see that. And, you know, I, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. Always wanting to be better, always wanting to do something cooler, but you know, man, people got to find a way to, 
exchange ideas a little bit, <laughs> a little bit better. But it's social and, media too. I was going to say, asking yeah. people to be better on social media. I yeah, think right. A lost cause. We, we said so it. So fuck all of you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we said it beforehand. We said too much went right in the game that nobody had anything to be to be mad about. So we had we to find confused. something to be mad about. Yeah, yeah, we were we were confused how to do that. You know. Yeah. Um. So. All right. Well, uh, let's get uh, let's get a prediction here for the game on Saturday from you. Um, so 8 p.m. Um, Michigan versus Washington. Um, why don't you before you do that? Why don't you plug yourself here real quick? Um, tell us where people can find you. Yeah. So I, obviously I, I run the uh, the Winged Helmet Facebook page. That's kind of the main page. Um, and then the Winged Helmet on Instagram. You'll be able to find us. And then I also write um, contributing articles for Sports Illustrated. I cover um, all Michigan athletics. So we started doing this new thing where um, after the game, we go live to sort of talk about what we saw and what we heard. But this week, we're going to go live uh, pregame, probably about 20 minutes before the game starts, just kind of talk about what we're seeing down on the field, give somebody some or give people insight into the environment, kind of show the camera like around the stadium so people can see what it looks like. Um and it's been a pretty cool thing so far, like going live and giving people like an inside look, like what's going on in the press box, what's going on during pregame. If you can't be there, it's been a pretty cool thing. Cool. All right. Well, go follow Chris, uh, check all his stuff out. He does some pretty good uh, graphics and stuff like that. Cool oh, yeah. stuff uh, as well as, you know, his very professional journalism. He's been at it for a, a whole year now. So um, Appreciate it. Know, he's getting really good at it now. I can tell. Appreciate um, it. Yeah. And uh, go follow him there. And then, all right, so your prediction, Michigan versus Washington, primetime, 8 p.m., Michigan Stadium. What do you got? I got Michigan 34-13. I just didn't see enough from the Washington offense. And I think you saw that the Michigan defense settle in a little bit. I think there's some confidence. They've got that game under their belt now. When you combine that with what I anticipate is going to be a raucous environment, uh, I just think Washington is really going to struggle to contain that that defensive front from Michigan. I see Aiden Hutchinson going crazy. I see David Ojabo going crazy. Um, and then I think you're going to see uh, A.J. Henning do a lot in the special teams game. And so I got Michigan comfortably 34-13. And I will give them credit for the win because I still think it's a big win. This is a game that they have to win. People are looking at it as a lose-lose situation. To me, that's why I'm, I'm even willing to give them more props for the win because you are going into a situation like that. If you handle your business, that's what that's what they're, the coaches are paid to do and, and even some of the players are paid to do things to NIL. So finish the job. Get it done. 34-13. Get it done. Get it done. All right. There you go. You got your prediction there. Uh, we appreciate you coming on. Thanks again. Go follow Chris uh, at the winged helmet. What's your, your Twitter is like winged helmet the, or something like that. I, you know what? I don't even know what my Twitter handle is to be honest. I never use Twitter. Like I'm, I'm so diversified that you know, I don't know how to use a lot of social media platforms. When I say I'm an old head, like I'm legit. Oh, say, old. man, you're really, you're really talking <laughs> you. And we're listening to your stuff. We're listening to your ideas here. You're a blue hair. Shit. I'll uh, tell you what you need to do. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Well, check him out. Uh, we'll, you know, on the, uh, on the, uh, um, Facebook, Facebook's where Facebook it's at. Just, just type in the wing down on the the MySpace and and Zenga and stuff. You can follow <laughs> MySpace. Uh, Bring back MySpace. Hit me up on uh, AIM. We can direct chat. <laughs> yeah, you know? there you go. There you go. But are we are we not going to do our own predictions here? I was curious oh, to hear yeah, you guys. I was thinking yeah. maybe we would do them on Saturday when we did something ourselves. But we can oh, we that. can save it. We can save it for that. All right, save it. Give, give the people something to look forward to. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We'll, we'll be shotgunning hear... a couple truly. Well, we got expert. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about my cat. Special guest. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, we, you know, we people are going to be looking forward to our expert analysis here. You know, they, they, they I, know I know people I, sit on pins and needles for what we're we what we think. Literally, on you can't see it, but I am on the edge of my seat right now. I'm like hanging out by a thread. <laughs> Oh my God. Um, so for us, you can follow us at blue by 90 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at blue by 90 podcast on YouTube. We're going to try and go live on Saturday, um, you know, from the tailgate or something like that, uh, on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, whatever we got. Um, you know, we, we are throwing another big tailgate this weekend. So Chris, 
if you want to stop by it, you know, Hell yeah. I don't, I don't know if you can sneak a, a truly into the uh, press box <laughs> or not, but um, we'll have, we'll have a full, you know, whole, a ton of truly we're going to have a full keg as well. Um, we're going to be in our spot in the Chrysler arena parking lot. So stop by before you go into the stadium, when you're coming off pioneer or the golf course or wherever um, we'll be there starting at 1 PM till about game time and then pack it up. Um, and so once again, we are presented by truly. So appreciate it. Uh, shout out to truly. We are, we're a truly squad only here. Um, we don't even talk about the other one, the other seltzers <laughs> out there. Are um, there any other ones? I don't, I don't know. Yeah, matter. Irrelevant, <laughs> irrelevant. Um, but, uh, come by, you know, we'll have, uh, we may even have some pom-poms to, uh, to give Ooh. out too. Cause that, that may be another treat that's happening in Michigan stadium. Alcohol pom-poms. I mean, I, mean, I, I can't else? imagine not stopping exactly exactly <laughs> uh, what else can we offer here for you so um but thank you again chris for coming on we appreciate yeah. it thanks to all the listeners out there we appreciate you uh other than that go blue go blue go blue